Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back into the Illini Inquirer podcast and uh, apologies, this uh, podcast title will not be great, but I kind of like it. It's going to be Mondays with Mike on a Tuesday. We're actually recording this on Monday afternoon before I talk with Lovey Smith and Rod Smith and some of the Illini football players, but uh, wanted to get some basketball pot up first with, with Derek Piper uh, and Michael Carpenter. Good Monday, as people will be hearing this on a Tuesday, but how are you on this Tuesday, Monday? I'm doing fine on this Tuesday, Monday. The alliteration doesn't quite work, but that's okay. Uh, it was a, a kind of a mixed bag of a weekend for Illini sports because you get the the triumph, another classic Illini Rutgers game, which we're so accustomed to. And then you get the news on Sunday evening about Ty Ty and a nice pun on Twitter, by the way. There were so many puns, and I was kind of hoping he'd commit just for yes. the puns we'd have at our disposal. By the way, you just said triumph, and I can't think of triumph without triumph, the insult comic dog, uh, <laughs> Conan O'Brien. I know you would appreciate that. So it was just going in my head, and it just gave me great memories of the late 90s, early 2000s, and the year 2000. Fantastic. It was a great game for us to poop on. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. No, but you were there. And I mean, it, it was at the end of the day, it was entertaining. If not the prettiest, it was at least an entertaining ball. Game. Illinois Rutgers always gives us entertainment, man. Mm-hmm. I, you just have to embrace it. Now, basketball has actually gotten good, right? Like It's actually um, fun to watch those two. Uh, but whatever the sport, no matter what, we always get classics. I mean, they're, they're entertaining always. games because they're always close. It's just not always the best uh, athletics we're watching. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Saturday, that well, what what do you want to start with? Because we yeah. can start with the basketball front of things, and let's let's start basketball. Okay. Um, because Piper and I dive into the nitty gritty, but I want to get your fan perspective of this carb, because we, we've talked throughout this 2021 class, and it feels like up oh, this miss. How do you feel about it? They are stacking up, right? And in this class so far, and I use that qualifier, but um, if they don't get ETN or they don't get card it, right? Like this is. This is underachieving of what your class would be. But those are still on the board. We'll see if they can get ETN, and that certainly would change everything. But you, you were expecting to feel better about yourself, uh, about the class of 2021. Maybe you're not Michigan-level good. Maybe Curbelo and Miller stop you from getting a, a good player, actually. Uh, so that's a good th- problem to have. But you wanted at least one more of these top 100 guys, right, to feel like, all right, there's not going to be this drop off after IO and Kofi. Like that's what everybody has in their mind, right? Of I don't want Bruce Weber to happen again. And, and I don't feel that way that it's going to carp. And I think the transfer market's going to be huge into what the, the next year's class looks like. Um, but there, there should be some concern because you had this opportunity and it doesn't feel like either through their own fault or through the recruiting gods that have not been kind to Illinois over so many years, but have been in recent years, they just haven't lined up for Illinois this year. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. And I think that's the key word still is yet, even though the list of guys that you've missed out on, it's getting longer and longer. So I, I get that concern because I distinctly remember when they made the run in 0405 
and it did not translate into recruiting success. And that was during the season. You know, they already had Sean Pruitt in the fold. That was the biggest Bruce Weber early recruitment win. And then it just kind of fizzled. And Jamar Smith, that would have been a diamond in the rough. We know what happened there. But Chester Frazier, listen, ultimately had a decent career, but that's not the level of talent you were looking for. So am I concerned? Yes. Am I freaking out? No. Um, And I think that that is because the different channels with which they can recruit. If you don't get a bunch of four-year high school studs in this class, and you got Luke Goody, which I still think that's a tremendous pickup, uh, if you don't get that immediately, you do have the transfer market, like you said, and we've seen that they've had some success recruiting from that market. Um, at the end of the day, though, you know you want the parallel tracks to be going well at the same time. We know it's going to be a good season. We know that they're going to do things on the court that should help you in the recruiting trail. Um, and it's also one of those double-edged swords where because of Corbello and Miller, I think you were alluding to this, if you're Ty-Ty and you're down between Creighton where you can be the guy, I would assume, from the get-go or be part of just a rotation at Illinois, playing time will matter for some of these guys. So that is a good news, bad news situation. Yeah, and I think we got to remember like Creighton isn't Creighton 20 years ago, right? Like they, they, they're a top 25 program that has put people in the pros and they're going to put more people in the pros. And they're actually the more proven program at this point than Illinois still at this point. And, you know, I think not having an NCAA tournament might have impacted them a little bit, but there's also just weird stuff in recruiting. And uh, we talked about it with Piper on the podcast. I just, I don't see a fatal flaw here. Where I'm going, okay, that because they did just land great players, right? And they have the best roster they've had in a long time. And while it is a concern that, hey, to, to be on top in this Big Ten carp with the way Michigan State is recruiting as well as Izzo's ever recruited, Michigan is recruiting like a blue blood right now. Nebraska's landing five stars. Uh, Rutgers is landing top 50 prospects. I mean, you have to continue to do that. Like Maryland's going to have a little bit of a fall off here because they haven't recruited quite as well as what Turgeon was before. So certainly concerning, certainly concerning. But um, this staff has earned a little bit of trust. And uh, I, I guess I'm a little bit more focused, at least today, at least I will be the next couple months on what this team can actually do. But you always got to be, as you said, parallel tracks. You always got to be building. And if you don't keep building, then we know that uh, we've seen in the past that it might not sustain itself. I also don't want to get into the habit of, you know, finding rationale as for why each guy didn't commit. So I mentioned with Ty Ty. Well, maybe it's a playing time thing. And you can go back to Bryce Hopkins and other guys this class and say, well, maybe they went there because of this. And it reminds me of the movie Spinal Tap, where they continue to have gigs canceled and they lose one in Boston. They say, oh, don't worry, it's not a big college town anyways. Eventually, the joke being that, you know, we can come up with all the rationales, but essentially you just got to get it done. Sure. And that is why this is mildly, actually more than mildly surprising. It's, it's very surprising to me, given the fact that you were getting such high level talent to commit up until, you know, I mean, once Miller committed. Yeah. It, it just seems to be kind of all quiet on the Western front. And that's kind of uh, antithetical to what they'd been doing before. Yeah. No matter the reason uh, it's a missed opportunity, right? Like it's a missed yeah. opportunity not to capitalize off what you had, whether this is 2020 and you didn't have as many opportunities as you hoped or not, whatever the reason it is a missed opportunity for this program. And, you know, we'll see, I, we'll grade it in five or six months. Right. <laughs> and that's the thing is a lot of fans will be fretting about this for a while. All right, Carp, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about a football victory, shall we? Let's do it. That's next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Carp. Um, wasn't pretty. <laughs> wasn't pretty. And I, I do feel like there was a segment of the fan base that was like, eh, let's just get it over with already. And I, I don't agree with them. I'll, t- I'll take a win and, and see some uh, exciting young talent any way you can. But uh, 23-20 over Rutgers. I, I was counting after that game how many times I was thinking, man, Illinois is going to end up losing this game in the fourth quarter, whether it was missed field goals or penalties or, uh, you know, Isaiah Williams putting the ball on the ground, all those things. But they found a way to win a football game against a program that it needs to be better than. Um, and as I wrote, this doesn't, this, this doesn't make a season turnaround, right? But winning this game at least leaves open the possibility for Lovey Smith and his staff, no matter how low the odds are, that they actually could come back and turn a season around. So if you want to be an optimist, there you go. Uh, you at least have the opportunity in front of you. The way I view it is first starting with the win. Does it feel good? Yes. It takes me back to 2004. And at the end of the Ron Turner era, they beat Indiana at home. It was a random game in November. And it was fun for the 33,000 in the stadium or however few many people were there. It was fun in a nutshell, like by itself in a vacuum. Yes, they won. That was great. Made the Saturday a little bit better. Long-term, does it bode well or not well? You know, here's the thing. Ultimately, I think that uh, you are correct in saying that if there is going to be a turnaround, it had to begin with this. If they lose on Saturday, this thing is over completely. It's dead. And and I think there's no way of coming back. I I don't think Josh Whitman fires him like Sunday, (laughs) but I I don't think you can come back from that. I I don't. And even, even just the slight change of, you know, Rutgers deciding to throw the ball. (laughs) When, they, when Illinois couldn't stop their run late in that game and Noah Vedrill had been terrible uh, in that second half. Um, even though it took that, uh, there, there was enough positive and, and, and you just win, you get that one, and all of a sudden at least you have the opportunity to turn that into something like they did last year uh, after that Wisconsin victory. The opportunity is there. Saturday against Nebraska, not surprised by the spread, which started at 14. Uh, We were a little bit conservative in guessing that spread on Saturday's podcast, but that is a game where, yeah, could you compete? Absolutely. You have against Nebraska in the last couple of years, but the offense has just been too much for you. That's my concern on Saturday, but at least, at least we get to wake up on Saturday and there's more intrigue for that game than there would have been otherwise. Absolutely. And that in this year of all years, I just need interesting at a minimum. I need interesting. I need somewhat intriguing. And we get that for one more matchup. Now, if we stretch this out further than that and look at the schedule that follows the Nebraska game, <laughs> that's where you start to look at that Rutgers game as a little more of, oh, well, that was cute, yeah. but 
what does it really tell us? Well, because Iowa uh, defensively is really good. Northwestern defensively it's is really great. Uh, and we just look at the Ohio State game and just, just chuck that up. I, it is I, what it is. I think, I think we know it at this point. If, if they shock the world, hey, it's an opportunity to shock the world. And if you win that game, you're saving Lovey Smith's job, probably. Um, so, Carp, you got to see. I've been watching this kid for four years now. Uh, maybe, yeah, a little bit more than that. Isaiah Williams got his first opportunity, and, and I tweeted going into the stadium, like, hey, we're at least going to have something intriguing to watch today. Uh, when I heard Isaiah Williams was getting this start, um, sets a record, a program record for rushing yards by a quarterback. You see the athleticism. You see the speed. You see the, I call it the special sauce, which is like Reggie Corbin uh, elusiveness, right, uh, in, in a tight window. Uh, and we also saw the question marks about him as a passer, but what was the Isaiah Williams experience like for you in your first opportunity? It was fun. Uh, it was a little bit of improvisation. I don't know how simple the play calling was. I mean, that that would be for far more perceptive football observers to say, well, Rod Smith is doing this or that. Ultimately, at the end of the day, Isaiah Williams is the kind of guy where you can say, well, go do your thing. And he did. He took a lot of hits. I know that's a concern of a lot of fans, understandably. But there is something to it that bodes well for the long-term future, regardless of what coaching staff is here. And I think back to the previous Isaiah Williams, and you go back to 2006, of course there were signs. There was the win at Michigan State. Uh, there were other games where he performed pretty well. There were other games where he looked pretty bad. And keep in mind, the Rose Bowl year, Eddie McGee came in about three or four games because Isaiah Williams was not effective. So I, I don't expect there to not be speed bumps or maybe even larger than that, like craters occasionally in his performance. Right. But as a redshirt freshman and trying to project out a little bit beyond just this season, you know, from my perspective, and you may have been asking this next, I want to see this play out. Now, this is where the kind of tricky part comes in here. This is, where coaches make, games. this is where coaches make their money, isn't it? I, I wouldn't want this. I wouldn't want this decision. Uh, fans have asked me, what would you do? I go, I'd pr and I want to ask you a follow-up on Isaiah Williams. Um, so don't let me forget sure. that. Brandon Peters is a better overall quarterback, right? I mean, we've seen him run for 240 yards his last three games. And I said after the Wisconsin game, let him run the Rod Smith offense. Like, let him run. I know he's not Denard Robinson or Khalil Tate, but let him run that and see what happens because he's been effective that way and his legs have been the best thing going for you. But he also is, is a better passer. We didn't see it against Wisconsin, but we know he's a better arm, right? He's a better decision maker than, than the backup quarterbacks behind him. And seeing practice, I, I mean, we've seen Karan Taylor and his mistakes. And Isaiah Williams has made mistakes. And Matt Robinson just doesn't have the arm, and he throws it into uh, uh, enemy hands way too much. Um, so Brandon has earned that starting job. but And I think they'll roll with him because Isaiah Williams won't be going against Rutgers, right? Nebraska is not a great defense but they're better. And uh, I just don't know if you'll be able to have that kind of offense against him, but uh, I would probably think Peters is the guy and, and they go with him just because you got to have some kind of balance. I don't know if you can win with the Rutgers game plan against Nebraska. It'd be difficult. And, and that all said, you know, if you would have told me going into the Rutgers game, you got Brandon Peters or Isaiah Williams in either situation. Uh, what do you think gives you the better chance to win? You know, it, it's easy to immediately fall back and say, well, Brandon Peters, he went to a bowl game last year. You know that the offense can be more effective with him out there. 
and it is Rutgers. Of course, that's the asterisk. That's the caveat here. That was the Rutgers right. defense. But Nebraska's defense, while improved, we started to see in the second half again against Penn State where they are still Nebraska's defense, which means that you can score on them, you can run on them. And all that considered, from my perspective, I see a future of, of Illinois football right. with probably a different coaching staff, whether that's made this year or next year. But Isaiah Williams will be here longer than that. So well, and he's just reasons, more, I'm thinking he's just more fun. It's it, it just more. Yeah. Fun. I mean, this is what I was going to get into is, is in a line of fame. Yes, you can dream of the future with him, but this coaching staff has to to make the decision of how do I win a game Try to on win. Saturday? Right. And, and I won't fault them if, if they go with Brandon Peters. But for me, what would I, I'd, let's see what Isaiah Williams got. That's more interesting to me, but that's I, my job's not on the line. Right. And, and, I, and I'm not the one deciding who gives us the best chance to win. I'm just thinking what storyline is more interesting, what's more entertaining to me, um, because Isaiah Williams out there, he's one of the most it's one game carb. But like you just haven't seen a lot of Illini players be able to make some of the plays. And again, I know it's Rutgers defense, but he had guys grabbing at air. Right. And it's just you can tell why Illinois wanted to get him on the field and forced it a little bit, and it's awkward. I hate playing two quarterbacks, but you know why because they just don't have another guy like him with that speed, that elusiveness. And you know, I'm trying to think who was the last player at Illinois. You're like, I got to tune in to watch that guy. It's been a while. I mean, Rashard. I thought it. I thought it was. I thought it was Rashard Mendenhall. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's I'd say that's probably it. I know that listen, I say Williams is not the pro prospect that Rashard was. We knew right. that that guy was a machine from the moment he stepped on the field. But I, here's an apples and oranges comparison, but I think it holds a little bit of truth. If you go back to 2014 with the West Lunt slash Raleigh O'Toole year, and that team makes a bowl game behind Raleigh O'Toole. Now we know that West Lunt was in most measurable ways, a better quarterback, certainly a better passer, right? Didn't have the mobility, but there was a reason that kid was so highly sought after in, in high school. Similarly, we know that Brandon Peters, he has the makeup, he's got the arm, he's got all those things that make you excited about the you know prototypical quarterback, and yet there's something about Isaiah Williams. At the end of the day, maybe we shouldn't overcomplicate it. I know it was Rutgers, but there's something, as you were kind of alluding to, there's something about Isaiah Williams that just makes plays. And, and, and for this team with Brandon Peters, he helped you get to six wins last year. He was a big part of that. But on the other hand, in a lot of those losses and for the Wisconsin game, which listen, we know how good Wisconsin is. That may not be fair to use it, but for every good play of Brandon Peters, there are other ones that make you say, well, gosh, there's not much continuity on offense. He's not the most consistent quarterback. Hey, listen, if Isaiah Williams is one thing, it's at least through one game. It's consistent. You know what the identity of the offense is with them. And yeah, Nebraska will too, but that doesn't mean they're going to stop at every play. And I think that's where uh, putting Isaiah Williams out there with how effective you saw Chase Brown was, especially yep. that opens up things for other running backs. And then you see Casey Washington and you see Donnie Navarro. You see some of these receivers start to make plays. And I think, well, wait a second. Why would we hit the pause button on that right now? Well, let's be honest. The best offense for Rod Smith had at Illinois was with AJ Bush. Right. And there's a reason yeah. for that. He's a dynamic athlete and, and covering a running quarterback who can just throw a little bit. 
um, you can get that running game going, and that establishes ball control. That establishes long drives. Um, now, Isaiah's got to improve as a passer. He just missed some, right? There, there's some mechanical things. There's, um, you know, he throws the ball a little bit like juice uh, in that it's it's low and hard and doesn't give a, enough loft for, for players to make plays. Like Chase Brown had a dump-off pass, and he could have taken for 50 yards, and Isaiah just threw it low and hard at him. Um, you know, Daniel Barker had a few that were just low and hard at him instead of just give it to your receiver, give him a chance to make a play. I will say this, Isaiah Williams made pretty good decisions and Rod Smith has raved about his IQ. And I, I agree with that for watching him in high school. He makes good decisions. He didn't put the ball in harm's way as a passer. He did as a runner a few times, but as oh, a yeah. passer, <laughs> I thought he diagnosed the field really well. So if he can fix a few things mechanically or, or just give a little bit more loft on some passes where the DBs aren't really close to his wide receivers. Donnie Navarro was another one across the middle. He missed Um, that can be a very dangerous offense. And one we saw in 2018 that that team was bad, but uh, that offense was pretty decent because they could run the football behind AJ Bush. I think they can do the same thing with Isaiah Williams. I know it's two years later, but it was A.J. Bush at Nebraska that kind of kept you within striking distance in that game. And again, not a great passer, but a, a superb runner. And I think actually A.J. Bush's running total at Nebraska, I mean, was that the previous yes. record holder for 187? They game? couldn't stop him. Uh, the only yeah. reason they only lost that game is they fumbled two punts, right? right. It was, uh, let's see, Jordan Holmes fumbled one. And uh, I forgot the other punt returner at the time, um, but they couldn't stop anybody defensively. And, and we're kind of burying that, right? I thought the defense played a little bit better, especially in the second half. Uh, Vedral certainly helped them, but Illinois has not been able, Lovey Smith has not been able to stop Nebraska's offense. 96 points the last two years. And I think a thousand or 1200 yards carp the last two years. Um, yeah. I mean, and, they, and Adrian Martinez had field days against them and he got benched for Luke McCaffrey. So uh, if you have any chance, no matter who the quarterback is, you have to hold Nebraska under 30. Right. And I, I just don't know if they're capable of that. I don't know if they are either. I don't like the matchup. This is where it gets all the more frustrating. And to bring it back to the overall frustration of the year, because I posed on Twitter yesterday, what's the fan temperature? How are we feeling? It's the day after win. And that certainly feels better than the day after a loss. But there is varying levels of, you know, a, a feeling of satisfaction or a fulfillment. And Saturday was more like, oh, that was cute, as opposed to, yeah, I feel really good about the way things are going. So it's all the more frustrating when you see Minnesota against Iowa. And I know Ooh. Iowa's starting to improve after losing to, uh, against Purdue and Northwestern. But that's a bad Minnesota team. Similarly, Purdue. I don't think Purdue's you know, very good. I, I, I don't I, think coming so into either. the season, and I had those two as wins, Carp, because I just didn't think they were going to be that good. And you missed those two opportunities. Now, if Illinois is able to get to like three wins, right? Do you have that asterisk? Because we saw Isaiah Williams come. Like, even if he would have been there, I think he he might beat beat Purdue for you. Doug Kramer coming back helps. Keith Randolph coming back helps. James McCourt didn't look like it was helping for a little bit, but then he makes the, the game winner. That did matter, right? So if they can find a way to, to be competitive and to win a couple more games the rest of the year, they might have the benefit of that asterisk. And, and to be honest with you, they probably deserve a little bit of the benefit uh, in, in those two games because you were missing so many key players. But now, now you have to play into that asterisk, right? Like that, you, you have do. to you have to show enough over these last four weeks to deserve that. You got to show a lot, I think. I agree. Uh, you know, the Rutgers game, you were hitting on the defense, and were they improved? Of course. Were they helped by a pretty bad quarterback performance in the second half? Oh my God! I, I mean, I. 
<laughs> why are they throwing the ball? Was, like, I, I don't understand why they're throwing the ball there. I don't either. But yeah, they did, and you took advantage. And listen, that's uh, listen. You can only take advantage of what's in front of you, and the defense did that. So kudos to them. But for the asterisk idea, it's not without merit. It's not because you were missing key guys, and your quarterback position was a mess. And as Jay Layman talked about last week, which fantastic podcast, it still holds up. If anyone needs to go back and listen yeah. to that, but. You know, yeah, that that is the most important position on the field. And if you don't have a quarterback, you have a hard time winning. And if you got a quarterback, you got a decent shot. Well, against Rutgers, you had enough of a quarterback performance to propel you to a win. And there is that asterisk that could come into play if they, on all three facets, come out the rest of the year, minus, let's say, Ohio State, and look like a fifth-year team should under any coaching staff. But I think that even in the Rutgers game, first half, first quarter specifically, we saw yet again that there was just kind of a lack of preparedness. There was a messiness to the performance that is just unacceptable. So defensively, especially, right? Like you expected Isaiah to struggle a little bit, but defensively just getting crushed right away uh, was awful. Um, Then you put in carp Um, last year that Wisconsin win didn't mean much unless you followed it up. Right. And and you followed it. And you did. Yeah. Now I think you have to win. I think there's another must win. Uh, if, if they really want to change this narrative, you kept it alive with Rutgers. I think you got to win this game because I, I don't think you're winning two of the last three on your schedule. So if you win this game, I think that's when we sit there and go, okay, they got a real chance to, to turn this season around and, and, and you might buy it a little bit more if you're able to win at a place you haven't won since Red Grange was an Illini running back. Which is, I mean, that's, and that's not hyperbole. That's actually a fact, right? <laughs> I think that it, it'll be interesting to see the first quarter on Saturday. I love that it's an early game. I, I, I hated the extra hour. I just preferred it was an 11 a.m. start. But regardless, you get the 11 a.m. kick against Nebraska, and you'll know by 11.45 if they showed up or not. And, and listen, the Rutgers game, I made my decision, and you may have seen the tweet or not in the first half. I was ready to be done. You know, Even yeah. though it was a close game, I, I'd seen enough in the first half, yet they were within striking distance, and they beat a team that, by all accounts, they should in year five. But even coming into this year, even the best case scenarios, there's something about this Nebraska matchup that I just don't like. I know you've been close, and yet it seems so far away because you can't stop them. We'll know early, I think, on Saturday if this team is playing like a team that needs to win. And if they are, it should be a one-score game going into halftime. You should be right there against this Nebraska team. But unfortunately, what I worry about is that offense and that it hasn't worked before, and I don't see any reason why it would work now. So that that leads me to think the 14-point spread in Vegas, that might be right on the money, and I wouldn't touch it because I, I, w- I am afraid of the wheels coming off. Yeah. Uh, before the season, I had Illinois beating Purdue and Minnesota because uh, I like those matchups. I hated this one. Uh, e- even with Nebraska, I don't think it's that great. Um, I didn't like this matchup because of the things we were talking about. So maybe the opposite will come true, and, and maybe Illinois wins this game some way. Uh, but, uh, Carp, we'll see, man. Um, always appreciate the time. Have a great rest of the week, and enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, Monday. You too. We'll see you next week. Great stuff, as always, with Michael Carpenter. And just a few minutes after concluded my chat with Michael Carpenter, had the chance to talk with Lovey Smith at his weekly Monday press conference and Rod Smith uh, at his weekly press conference. And as expected, we didn't get much uh, out of them about the quarterbacks because if there's one thing coaches like to do, it's like to waste the opposing coach's time. So while our job is to get as much information as possible out of Lovey Smith, uh, his job to make the other coach's job, which is Scott Frost in this case, uh, is to make his job harder. Um, so he, he wants Illinois, he wants Nebraska to be questioning 
who's starting. Is it Brandon Peters? Is it Isaiah Williams? Some people might say, does it matter? Of course it does. It's a starting quarterback. These teams have actually been competitive uh, the last couple of years. Illinois had a 14-point lead on Nebraska uh, late in the third quarter last year, and uh, Illinois was able to score uh, almost at will in 2018. It's just Illinois' defense hasn't been able to stop Nebraska's. That's another topic. But here is Lovey Smith discussing quarterbacks and us in the media. This is Robert Rosenthal and Matt Stevens uh, trying to get more out of Lovey Smith. But here... Decipher what you want out of Lovey Smith answering questions about his quarterback and whether he'll start Brandon Peters, who is back this week, or Isaiah Williams. What I see is that uh, we had a court, we have a, our starting quarterback that's been out and he's available this week. That's a good option. Uh, what I also saw is what our, our other quarterback was able to do this week. Uh, of course, I'm not going to you know, say what our game plan would be. I would say that we have, uh, you know, some good options going on going into this week. Uh, that's what I would say, and we're excited about that. We haven't practiced yet this week, so we can't wait to get on the practice field. We have a good plan as we go into Nebraska this week. And how much are you involved in that decision with Rod on, you know, say maybe right. in the game of, of switching quarterbacks? As a head football coach, all decisions go through me. Let's make that clear, all right? So I'm involved. Everything good and bad that's happened around here comes through me. I apologize if I'm partialing your words, but I, I noticed in, in refers to Robert's question that you mentioned Brandon is your starting quarterback, or at least referred to him as our starting quarterback. Do I read anything into that? Or uh, I'm not going to yeah, get into any of that either, the words, okay. choices, and things like that. What I said is that our starting quarterback, which was Brandon, hasn't played, and he's back this week. We had Isaiah Williams. That, while Brandon wasn't here, they went in and played outstanding ball this week is what I said. That's what I'm saying right now. I also said that gives us great options at the quarterback position since we played four quarterbacks this year. That's what I said. It's a fun game to decipher Lovey Smith, isn't it? My best guess, and it's only a guess, Um but Brandon Peters won the starting job. And while he struggled in one game, he only played one game. And uh, we have a full sample size of him last year where he really helped this team. But we did see Isaiah Williams uh, give this offense something it didn't have previously. So I do think this is a tougher decision. And I'll have I'll have a piece on this in the next couple of days. But I, I think it's going to be Brandon Peters as the starter. And I, I think it's going to be Isaiah Williams working in the game. In, in some role. And that's the tough part is trying to balance, you know, how you get Brandon Peters, who gives you the best balance as a quarterback, should be able to pass better than anybody on this roster. And we've seen that in games, but he also can run, right? But you also don't have another offensive weapon like Isaiah Williams who can make people miss and has that speed and, and has that Reggie Corbin juking ability uh, in the open field. How do you get those two to work together? on the same field at the same time or by rotating them and, and not disrupt them or not upset them or all those things. That is why Lovey Smith and Rod Smith are paid as much as they do. And for, for a staff that has to make the right decisions the rest of this year and it starts uh, or builds next week, you got one win against Rutgers. I think you need to turn that into two wins against Nebraska to have a chance to salvage the season. Uh, this is a huge decision for them and how they decide to go with it. I think most Illini, many Illini fans uh, 
and I told this with Carp, would rather see Isaiah Williams because it's it's just more fun. It's potentially the future. Brandon's probably not going to be back next year. Um, I can understand why you'd want to see that because you got to win doing it. It was fun watching Isaiah Williams. But uh, Brandon Peters does have success uh, in, in his Illinois history here. We just haven't seen it in a while, and it's been inconsistent. So going to be fascinating to watch going into this Nebraska game. As always, appreciate you listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Subscribe to us, rate us, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us out. And for the latest on Illinois football and Illini basketball, check out Illini Inquirer. Some of the stuff on the site today includes my film review of the defense, and I used a Waterboy reference in that. But uh, there were some there were some positives of the defense. I know it was against Nebraska, but there were some or against Rutgers, but there were some positives uh, in there that you could take forward. But a few things that uh, still are concerning and kind of have translated from the last game also have a feature on julian pearl was able to talk with the danville native and likely you're starting right tackle against nebraska so i was able to catch up with him and we've got the latest in illinois basketball recruiting mackie tien update from eric bossy and no Derek piper's working on his latest uh, season outlook on the next illini player on his list as we are just eight days away from the illini basketball season starting and no I do not have a schedule or a TV schedule update. Uh, We will pass that on as soon as we get information. As always, thanks for listening. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.